Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and we are about a week away from the release of earnings, much awaited earnings from the big three banks here in Singapore. But before that, we want to take a closer look at some of the credit metrics for DBS, UOB, and OCBC. And we want to take a little bit more focus on OCBC and their relatively more conservative stance towards managing their surplus capital. An interesting report from Bloomberg Intelligence that that took a look at OCBC and also why they're being conservative, if it is a a harbinger, at least, of potential inherent weaknesses in Southeast, in Singapore's second largest bank versus some of their peers. Well, today on Money FM 89.3, we're pleased to be joined by Ms. Rena Kwok, who's a credit analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence and one of the authors of that particular report. She'll also be giving us a broader uh, a view, at least, or bird's eye view of how the banks are looking credit-wise ahead of their earnings releases next week. Rena, thank you so much for joining us once again. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are so safe and in good health during these times. And welcome back to the show. It's been a while and I hope you've been well. Hi, Jordan. It's good to be back. Hope everything is good at your end as well. All right. Everything is good and da- fine and dandy on our end here. And a lot to really parse through with regards to this very interesting report. Now, before we get deeper into OCBC, I want to take a bird's eye view of Singapore's lenders. You've highlighted in that report that Singapore's lenders are actually in a good place with surplus capital that can be used to more efficiently improve their return on equity. How did the banks build the surplus capital over the last couple of years? And how can this be used to bolster ROE, as you've pointed out in the report? Thanks for the question, John. So we think that the Singapore Bank's robust capital position is actually bolstered by their resident internal cash generation. Now, we actually think that local lenders, the strong credit profile may actually allow them to stay on the hunt for more acquisitions to fuel growth outside of Singapore amid the saturated growth and rising competition from the digital banks in Singapore. All right. Now, um, that's interesting enough, but that gives us a great way to go into OCBC and one of the main theses of the report. Now, at first glance, OCBC may be seen as being more stable given slightly higher set one ratios. But you've noted that this could reflect actually a need for higher capital buffers to offset possible inherent weaknesses. What leads you to think that OCBC may have more weaknesses versus their peers based on your research? Thanks for the question, John. Now, this is pretty interesting. So we actually think that OCBC may hold a higher capital buffer versus its peers as it needs to conserve capital at the standalone level to comply with the regulatory requirements given its lowest cash fees dividends received from its associates and its investments. Now, this is despite the modest capital use on its moderate risk appetite, loan growth, and credit risk. If we take a look at the consolidated data OCBC dividends received from its associates as of first half 2021, that amount dived to 12 million SGD, a fraction of 72 million SGD a year ago. And this issue seems to be present for a while. If we take a look at the dividend payout ratios of OCBC key associates, Bank of Nimbo and Great Eastern Life, their dividend payout ratios were at a pretty low range of 20 to 30 plus range in 2018 to 2020. And OCBC consolidated cash and cash equivalents over its total assets also like that of the local peers. 
This, of course, uh, highlights that there is some weakness coming from their associates that perhaps is keeping them a bit more conservative, OCBC at least. But what else may be driving OCBC seeming reluctance to be uh, less conservative with regards to their uh, management of surplus capital and also their slowness to normalize dividend payouts? Why might it be trickier for them to do so versus, say, the likes of UOB and DBS, which have been relatively faster at the clip? Yeah, John, we think that if uh, you know, OCBC actually uh, raised its dividend payout ratio to about 49% as in, in the 2019 level, that could further deplete its uh, common equity tier one uh, at the standard loan level. So that may actually impede uh, you know, some restrictions on the bank itself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've touched on OCBC's conservative approach to cash as preparing them for potential m and activity down the road. Um, their counterparts, though, like UOB and DBS, have made significant deals recently. We only have to look at UOB and their acquisition of Citigroup's ASEAN assets, DBS buying Citigroup's Taiwan operations also. But you've highlighted that, uh, that uh, this might have an impact on credit metrics and ratings. Um, uh, can you help us understand uh, what this might mean with regards to its near-term impact on credit metrics for Singapore's lenders? Now, we actually seen that, you know, post the acquisition of the Citibank retail assets, you know, UOB was actually rated a negative outlook by Fitch. But, you know, all in all, we actually think that the uh, Singapore Bank's M&A activity is unlikely to dent their good credit ratings uh, by the rating agencies. If we take a look at the local lenders' credit profile, they actually remain robust. And that actually drive the dollar tier to bonds to trade at the tightest level since 2016. Now, for SG banks, uh, ratings by Fitch could be pressured if the leverage ratio and common equity tier one capital ratio fall materially below 7% and 14% for a sustained period. But the recent acquisitions by DBS and UOP impact on capital was relatively modest, about 70 bips or so. And we expect DBS and UOP's capital position to strengthen over time, driven by their resident internal capital generation, led by the diversified revenue sources. Now we're still speaking to Rena Kwa, credit analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence here at Money FM 89.3. Now, this could um, have a bit of an impact on credit metrics in the near term, but you did highlight earlier on that the management or that Singapore's banks are in a good place with the surplus capital to increase return on equity because uh, it could position them to make future acquisitions down the road. What are some of the benefits of these recent acquisitions, though, for the uh, Singapore's lenders that have made them? Thanks for the question, John. Now, for UOB, which is the largest M&A acquisition in the past uh, 17 years, firstly, we think that is the strategic fit for the bank and it's well time to actually take advantage of the ASEAN reopening play. Now, that could actually offer more leverage and opportunities to lower its cost of funding and narrow the profitability growth gap versus its PSDBS. Now, if we take a look at UOB's uh, acquisition of CD's assets, so CD assets is actually more focused towards the higher margin unsecured pr- products, which that may leave UOB's revenue, while credit costs could stay manageable as UOB leverages its risk management expertise as proven by its good through the cycle track record. Now, secondly, the lab the acquisition could actually offer more leverage for UOB to garner low-cost deposits, possibly improving its cost of funding. 
UOB's CASA ratio at about 56% in the third quarter 2021 was actually the lowest among its peers. And we believe that UOB may actually focus more on deposit gathering driven by its continuous digital efforts via its tomorrow digital platform to increase the low-cost deposits in the medium term for a more stable funding profile amid a rising interest rate environment. Though there are certain risks to look out for, uh, particularly on the execution risk that needs to be watched, especially from the systems, the cultural, and the regulatory standpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, uh, Reno? could we possibly touch on DBS's recent acquisition of the of city's Taiwan operations? I mean, it's probably not as big as UOB's acquisition of those vast assets across the ASEAN, but could this actually provide some uplift also for Singapore's largest lender? Yes, so for DBS, well, it's a smaller acquisition as compared to UOB. That would actually help to strengthen its franchise towards its greater China and ASEAN flows. Now, the acquisition is focused mainly to drive, uh, to drive the uh, wealth management uh, unit. Mm-hmm. So we actually think that could actually further improve uh, DBS um market dominance in the wealth management space uh, and over the medium term as, you know, DBS uh, grows as a revenue driver. And, and uh, despite all of these acquisitions and whatnot, you do think that the still uh, that the credit ratings and the standing of uh, the credit quality lease of the three banks is fairly intact and they can weather any possible near term challenges um, despite some of these acquisitions and the and uh, and their st- the varying stances to managing surplus capital. We do hold a positive view on the Singapore bank's uh, capital uh, profile, and we think that they may remain robust uh, even with all these acquisitions made because they are done at a prudent uh, level and their capital will actually strengthen over time with the increased uh, profitability outlook that we see from various revenue sources. And that is actually also evident in their bonds they are trading at right now, which the Z spreads are actually trading the tightest since 2016, as mentioned earlier. So no. the market is actually comfortable uh, with the Singapore banks, actually. Rena Kwok, creative analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3 to share your recent report on Singapore's banks and helping us at least also take a closer look at OCBC and why they've been a bit more conservative as compared to some of their peers. As always, Rena, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times. And we look forward to the next time you can join us at the show. Meanwhile, stay safe and have a great Tuesday ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.